the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Welcome to the show, everybody. A little bit of Simply Red, and I want to fall from the stars into your arm. Arms, I guess. You need two to catch him. He's a big boy. Well, we're back on. It's the end of the year, and I wanted to tell you what I think some of the major events were of the year and see if you agree or disagree with me. But first, I wanted to let you know about... uh, a medical treatment that is or has been shown this year to be beneficial when people who have had a heart attack. So it's probably going to be helpful as well uh, to prevent heart attacks. It's called uh, Vasepa, V-A-S-C-E-P-A. It's a lipid-lowering agent. It is an omega-3 fatty acid, but it's not the whole gamut of omega-3 fatty acids. It's one specific fatty acid that uh, helps to lower triglycerides and cholesterol. And it's indicated for people with high triglycerides, which is one of the subfractions of our fatty uh, substances in our blood. It's also uh, been shown, as I said, through the uh, research that's come out this year, that it will decrease cardiovascular disease and events like heart attacks and strokes in people who are predisposed to it, who have high triglycerides or high cholesterol. Diabetics are also uh, in the list of people to be treated for uh, high triglycerides and high cholesterol if they have additional risk factors like high blood pressure along with their diabetes. So I tell my patients who have high blood pressure and diabetes, even if your cholesterol and your triglycerides are okay, you need to get on a statin you know, like simvastatin or atorvastatin or rosuvastatin. And I would add to that, if you can afford it, if your plan pays for it, is this Vasepa or Vasepa, which is a triglyceride-lowering agent. And together, these are synergistic, and they seem to help prevent further cardiovascular events like heart attacks or strokes. So I wanted to share that with you. Now, you can say, well, I'm taking fish oil. You can't get high enough levels of the uh, fatty acid uh, of the uh, fatty acids that are helpful in lipid lowering, like you can in Vesepa, which is just one fatty acid. It's just one specific fatty acid. There's a number of fatty acids in fish oil and other uh, natural quote quote sources of cholesterol and triglyceride lowering agents. But Vasepa is just one alkaloid. It's just one chemical, and it is in higher concentrations that you can get in fish oil. So you're probably not doing a whole lot by taking fish oil unless you're taking enough that you smell like a fish all day. Uh, But uh, if you get this, 
the generic name is Icosapent, I-C-O-S-A-P-E-N-T. The brand name is V-A-S-C-E-P-A, V-A-S-C-E-P-A, Vasepa or Vasepa. And uh, if you want to discuss that with your doctor, you can bring it up with him or her. And that is the big news that I have today medically. Now, technologically, I want to tell you about these, uh, these Apple watches. And they're a class of watches known as smart watches. And there was a study done recently, the Apple Heart Study, in which they enlisted 400,000. I think it was Stanford or one of the big universities. I can't remember which one actually uh, did the study along with Apple. And they had 400,000 people who were wearing their watches. And one of the uh, benefits of these watches is it will monitor your heart rate. And it can even be transmitted uh, over the Internet, over the airwaves, over the uh, uh, 5G, 3G networks to a center that can look at irregularities in the heartbeat. And they were able to pick up some people who had what we call paroxysmal, meaning intermittent atrial fibrillation, which is an abnormal heart rhythm at the top of the heart, the two receiving chambers, the atria from the Latin for receiving chamber or entrance hall, atria, singular atrium, plural in Latin, atria, ins and an A. And there are abnormalities that can occur in the veins that come back from the lungs to the left atrium that cause irregular heartbeats in the top of the heart. And then the top of the heart fibrillates because there's abnormal discharge of electricity at dozens of sites throughout these two chambers. And so you don't get a coherent squeezing. A, you don't get a real beat, per se, of the top chambers. The bottom chamber will pick up some of the impulses coming down. And sometimes it'll pick them up too quickly. And you can go into what we call ventricular uh, rhythm disturbances or a fast heartbeat. So at any rate, this is something that we can treat. We can prevent strokes from happening if you have atrial fibrillation by putting you on a blood thinner. There are medications that can control this. There are medications that can, if you can't cure the, the rhythm disturbance, you can at least control the rate that goes down to the bottom of the heart. We have medications for that. And there's also surgical and electrophysiologic treatments for atrial fibrillation. But the fascination here, the big news is that these Apple smartphones that you wear on your wrist can monitor your blood pressure, your heart rate, and different things. I don't think I've gotten to the blood pressure part yet. They're working on that. The heart rate, but as these phones get smarter and they're able to transmit the data uh, to a center or to your doctor or to whoever, uh, then we're going to have a very powerful, potent, new uh, technological weapon in our armamentarium in our fight against disease and our attempt to keep people alive longer and healthier and ha happier lives, which we all have now because of technology and, and uh, agriculture and all the different things that have made our lives so much better pharmacology, immunology, immunizations, so on and so forth. Oh, by the way, Ken, did you see where Don Imus died this past weekend? I did. Very sad. Very sad. He's an icon in this business, and he will yep. be missed. Yes. 
For those of you who don't know who Imus was, he was a shock jock back in the 60s and 70s, made his bones uh, as a disc jockey, and then he morphed into talk radio and then into talk television. Got into a little trouble in the early 2000s when he made some racial comments that were deemed unsavory, and uh, he was pulled off of the, was it the morning show he was on? What was that Oh, he's been he, in the morning forever, I think, yeah. so Yeah, something like that. He was on a, like an AM FM yeah, in TV New York, yeah. Cable show. Any rate, so he's gone. I, I believe it was prostate cancer. Still a bad disease if you get the aggressive form. Well, some of the big news around the world and in our country this year that I wanted to touch on briefly, if I may. Of course, the impeachment hearings, which uh, continue on, and I think that this is going to drag on through to the beginning of summer also have been hitting on the democratic movement in Hong Kong, which I think is important and just as important, I want to say, and I want to compliment the president on pressuring Beijing and uh, President Xi uh, with economic sanctions, as well as the spotlight of the world on Hong Kong and on Beijing to not step on this freedom movement although I'm sure there's an attempt to. So far, we have not seen, at least that we know of, we haven't seen federal uh, Red Army troops move into Hong Kong and, and uh, really quell this thing. And I think that the president is uh, just a stellar guy in standing up and using our power over the Chinese since they have become so dependent upon us economically and technologically, and stepping on them and saying, you know what, we're not going to do business with you unless you behave. And I, I can't think of any more powerful weapon than cash, baby, hard cash. And the Chinese economy is uh, having some problems because of Trump, because of us, because of the man we put there. And we want to continue to encourage the president to do what he's doing in dealing with the Chinese in this way and in dealing with the trade war and in dealing with the freedom and democracy movement that is in Hong Kong. And I think it's important for us to maintain uh, uh, commerce and trade contacts with the Chinese. And I know that I'm doing that with the uh, items that I'm ordering for the office and for the pharma. And I think it's important to keep conversation going with these people because you know what? It's a grassroots thing. It's a grassroots thing. And, and you have to remember that a lot of people in China still don't get the news that we get. So things like uh, uh, WhatsApp and uh, other ways of communicating with the Chinese and, and with other people around the world allows us a somewhat unfettered, uh, uncensored way to discuss with them uh, in, in brief fashion what's actually going on and to encourage them to continue to pressure Beijing for uh, a more democratic government and to move from uh, a fascist state to a truly democratic state. Uh, the Chinese are going to be slow to do that, although they've moved much faster than I thought they would. But let's keep the pressure up. We've got the Syrian civil war, and Trump has extracted us from that. Another big thing I'm going to talk about in a minute is India's new citizenship laws and the asylum for persecuted religious minorities by the Muslims 
in surrounding neighboring countries, Muslim countries, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Bangladesh. And this has raised a, a big stink with the Muslim population in India, which is the largest Muslim population in the world. <clears throat> and it is uh, necessary that the democracies of the world, India being the largest democracy, that we protect the religious groups and the religious rights. And, and I think that we just have to admit that Islam is the problem. It's the worldwide problem. It is the major uh, contributing factor to persecution of Christians and Hindus and Sikhs and Jews and uh, Jains and all kinds of religions that you probably have never heard of that have been uh, desecrated and massacred by Islam over the centuries. So we've got to keep the pressure up and we got to back the Indian government and Modi, the uh, prime minister on this, and say they're doing the right thing. And by the way, they're kicking out Westerners who are protesting this new law. Now, basically what the law says is that if you are a persecuted minority who came to India from Pakistan or Bangladesh or Afghanistan or Kashmir, uh, before a certain date, uh, then you are immediately eligible for citizenship. And it's also providing uh, a quick path for people who want to get out of Bangladesh and get out of Pakistan and get out of Afghanistan because of their religious beliefs. And remember that if you're not a Muslim in Pakistan or in Bangladesh or Afghanistan, you may not live. You, you may be killed. Uh, you may be if you're a woman, you're going to be raped. Uh, you're you're going to have all kinds of problems, and uh, and this is because Islam looks down on every other religious uh, group in the world and sees us as infidels, as uh, impure. And you know what? This is just not the way that it should be in in twenty twenty twenty. This is not going to fly, and we've got to continue to stand up to this. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. And the persecution around the world of uh, Christians, as well as Jews and Muslims and uh, Jews and Hindus, uh, but the the focus on the uh, atrocities being committed against Christians around the world, and we see this from sub-Saharan Africa and in, in Nigeria to uh, China, uh, and of course the number one offenders are going to be the Muslim countries. And so these are important things to consider. And I talked about the Apple Watch and the heart study. I also wanted to mention once again the growth of the monoclonal antibodies and the uh, tremendous impact it's having on people's lives, including my own, because of the monoclonal antibody I uh, inject myself with once a month to prevent migraine headaches. And who would have thought 50 years ago that you could have a, an antibody created that would block a protein that irritates the lining of the brain and causes a migraine headache. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So kudos to the uh, scientists and pharmacologists and researchers who are doing all of this wonderful work with monoclonal antibodies. I had a Canadian guy come in uh, this week, and he had had a little stroke in his eye. Uh, he had had a blind spot, and he waited several days thinking it would go away which a lot of people do, the Canadians more so than the Americans because of the system that has evolved up there. 
and the lack of treatment <clears throat> or the lack of access to treatment. And so this guy had had a, a stroke, uh, one of the little arteries, uh, one of the branch arteries that goes to the back of the eye, the retina. That's the nerve ending part of the eye. That's where the light strikes it and is turned into a signal that the brain can understand, electric signal. Electrons flow through the nerve cells into the back of the brain and an image is formed. Complex. At any rate, so one of the little branch arteries had clotted off. And that's a stroke. And uh, the eye is considered part of the brain because it grows directly out of and is directly attached to the brain by the optic nerve, the nerve that goes from the back of the eye to the brain. And so we consider the eye the uh, only part of the brain that is externalized. That is that we can touch it without having to crack open the skull. So we know a lot about the brain just from the eye. And we also know a lot about the uh, physiology and the pathophysiology of blood vessel diseases from, thankfully, the eye, because we've been able to look in there and watch the blood vessels over the decades with our ophthalmoscopes. And so this guy has had a, a stroke in his eye, and he's at high risk for having other vascular problems. So I'm taking a history from this guy, and I said, well, you got high blood pressure? He says, yeah, I'm on medicine for blood pressure. How about cholesterol? Well, I was in the past, but my doctor said that it was okay now and I don't need it. Are you diabetic? I can't remember if he was diabetic or not, but <clears throat> that, of course, is another big risk factor. And so I'm examining, examining him, and he's got these little scaly plaques on his skin. And I said, what's this? He said, I have psoriasis. Well, psoriasis, as I've mentioned before, is an autoimmune. That is, we attack our own tissue and form these abnormalities on our skin, our joints. And since it's an inflammatory process, we make these complexes, antigen antibody complexes that float around in our bloodstream. They stick to the walls of our blood vessels and they cause an inflammatory response. And so that increases our risk for vascular disease, for having strokes and heart attacks and these little mini strokes in our eyes. And I said, are you on any treatment for this? And he said, no, I've just been treating it with topical medication, you know, creams and light therapy and this sort of thing, which is pretty common with uh, psoriasis. I said, uh, dude, I use that word to a lot of my patients because it seems to get their attention. So I'm using it with you too. Dude and dudettes, listen to me. This is an autoimmune disease. There are medications out there that are disease-modifying, we call them disease-modifying DMARDs medications. And uh, among those are the monoclonal antibodies. And you see these on TV being advertised like talks. And uh, these are miracle drugs. And I said, dude, why aren't you on one of these? And he said, well, you know, my doctor offered it to me, but I didn't think it was necessary. I'm telling you, it's necessary. You need to decrease the inflammation in your body because it's affecting your blood vessels along with your high blood pressure and your cholesterol and all these other things. And of course, it's too expensive for him as a Canadian to get these down here. But we have old time drugs like methotrexate that we can use while he's down here if he wants to stay the season to decrease the inflammatory response and protect his blood vessels. So I tell you that the monoclonal antibodies are a miracle drug. They're a godsend. And that's one of the big stories, I think, of the past decade, and certainly 
uh, of the past couple of years and the introduction of things like uh, uh, Irunamab for migraine headaches, which is what I'm taking. So those are the big stories that I want to hit on. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on in India, because I think this is important, especially in light of the uh, persecution of Christians and to a lesser extent, uh, Hindus and Buddhists and uh, Sikhs and Jains. And of course, Jews are always being persecuted. We had another attack on Jews this, this week up in New York. And I think that was the third or fourth this week, Kenna. So I don't know what's going on up there with those people. but uh, Yeah, that is unusual back. even for New York. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not right, especially when the largest population of Jews outside of Israel are in New York yeah, City. It's true. Yeah. So we need the home militia here more than ever, which I've been touting for several years now. If we vetted, trained, uh, and kept uh, uh, – well-trained and well-organized, a home militia of every 20th citizen and arm them with a pistol and uh, let them just roam around and do what they do, whether they're a doctor or an accountant or a bricklayer or whatever. And then when problems arise, terrorists or uh, assaults on, on religious minorities, there's somebody nearby with a pistol that can pull it out and That'd be one hell of a deterrent. I think that we need to think about that. I'm going to see if I can get the president to glom onto that. I, that. That would be a wonderful way to cut down on a lot of these mass shootings and these uh, assaults, uh, these religious uh, persecutions and attacks within our country. Very similar to putting a uh, U.S. marshal on an airplane, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a U.S. marshal. Only you wouldn't have to. I mean, you could get a little something like being in the uh, in the uh, army or. Air Force Reserves or Navy Reserves or the uh, National Guard, you could get a little bit of something. But, I mean, you could still do your full-time job and just, just be a person wandering around, taking the bus, going on a cab, flying a plane, whatever, walking huh. in the mall, going to, the, to Walmart. Similar as yeah. like a, a volunteer fireman who does what he it. does and he calls. He, when, when you call, you drop everything and you run. That's right. And, and you know, and... So I think if somebody thought about pulling a pistol or a rifle out at, at the Walmart, uh, they'd think twice if they knew that there's very likely to be in a Walmart with several hundred people in there, somebody with a pistol that is capable of shooting them dead if they try any of that nonsense. So we need to think about that. So at any rate, what happened in India was that uh, India, uh, which was formerly the whole area was called Hindustan when uh, Alexander the Great tried to conquer it. Basically, it was everything south of the uh, south of the uh, Himalayas, and that included Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, uh, parts of Myanmar or Burma, whatever you want to call it. All that area, the Indian subcontinent, about 50 million years ago, I do believe, the Indian subcontinent collided with Asia, and that collision has pushed up the Himalayan mountains. How so? Well, it's still moving. India, the subcontinent, is still crashing into uh, uh, the Asian main continent, which is primarily China that they're running into right now, and pushing this up. And so this whole area at one time was uh, called Hindustan. And after Islam invaded that area uh, around 11-1200 AD, they forced conversion onto a lot of the uh, a lot of the Hindus and the Buddhist in the region 
And of course, after a generation or two, nobody knows and nobody remembers. And so people are just born Muslims. And so after India was liberated from, they got their freedom from Great Britain in, at the end of World War II in 1946, 1947, there was so much conflict between the predominantly Muslim population in Pakistan and Bangladesh, uh, which were part of India at that time, and the main Indian population, the rest of the subcontinent, that the British and the, uh, the Indian uh, authorities decided that they would partition it into two countries. And Kashmir would be uh, an independent, semi-autonomous uh, part of uh, India that would have uh, both uh, Hindu and Muslim populations in it. So Pakistan and what is now Bangladesh, Bangladesh at that time was East Pakistan. They were one country separated by this huge subcontinent of India. And the uh, Bangladesh wanted independence from Pakistan, Muslims fighting Muslims. Hey, that's the religion of peace, by the way. And so they uh, rebelled in 1970, 1971, and the Pakistanis came in and started uh, massacring them and killing students and intellectuals and freedom fighters and anybody who got in their way. And uh, it was basically genocide. And so then Pakistan accused India of helping them and the Indians got pulled into the war. And of course, the Indians quickly dispatched the Pakistanis and created the, the new country of Bangladesh. So Bangladesh sits on the Bay of Bengal. It's on the east coast of India, I mean the eastern border of India. So it would be bordered by India on three sides, or two and a half sides, Myanmar, old Burma, and then the Bay of Bengal, which opens into the Indian Ocean. And so everything was going along pretty well. And of course, we helped the uh, Bangladesh out. Uh, we've sent a lot of business to them, and, and you may have noticed over the years things made in Bangladesh. And they were pretty poor when they were first independent. They've come up a long way now. But along with their uh, their freedom and their supposed democracy, of course, there's no real democracy in, in, in a Muslim country other than Turkey, which is quickly turning into a fascist state, uh, <clears throat> the... Uh, the rise of Islamist and the move towards more Islamic fundamentalism around the world has pushed Bangladesh into uh, more persecution of Christians and of Hindus and Buddhists. And so the uh, flight out of Bangladesh by these subgroups, these religious subgroups, has continued and actually picked up in recent years. And India is saying, well, look, these are persecuted religious minorities. And, of course, the Muslims in India say, wait a minute, why don't you let Muslims come in who are seeking freedom from Bangladesh? And, and the response is, they're not being persecuted. Well, what if they're coming for political reasons? Well, you know, if you're, if you're a, a democracy, which Bangladesh presumably is, and it's supposed to be a secular state, by the way, so much for that, then... Why are we offering you asylum? You've got your own democracy. You don't need us. I mean, democracy offers asylum to people from countries who don't have a democracy. 
and who are being persecuted for their political beliefs. And this is not about political persecution, it's about religious persecution. And first and foremost, democracies around the world, including India, our stepbrother, stepsister, depending upon your orientation, the largest democracy in the world. We need to be with them. We need to lock arms with them on this. And I hope that the president is quietly giving Modi, their prime minister, kudos and uh, helping out in any way that we can to rescue the uh, the embattled in, in subcultures and religious subsects within these Muslim countries. And by the way, uh, when we come back, I want you to call me and give me the name of any country, Muslim country, where there's persecution of Christians. First three people that call and give me the name of a country where Christians are being persecuted by Muslims, I will send you a Dr. Bill mug. And we are at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe, and Ken's going to cue up some music. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A truck bomb exploded at a busy security checkpoint in Somalia's capital yesterday, killing at least 79 people, including many students. It was the worst attack in Mogadishu since the devastating 2017 bombing that killed hundreds. The blast ripped through rush hours. Somalia returned to work after its weekend. At least 125 people were hurt. An Afghan official says the Taliban attack has killed at least 17 local militiamen in the country's north. The governor's spokesman says a local militia commander was the apparent target. He actually escaped unharmed. The Taliban have claimed responsibility. And an official in Yemen says a ballistic missile attack has ripped through a military parade for a southern separatist group that's backed by the United Arab Emirates. The uh, At least six troops and three children were killed in this assault. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- Three eight four six four one one seven two seven three eight four six four one one. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted, and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments, so call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Joe, technician from SafeLight Auto Glass. My last customer was a busy mom with lots to do until she noticed a big crack in her windshield. She didn't want to drive with her baby in that car, so she scheduled online at SafeLight.com. No one makes replacing a windshield easier. Plus, she loved how SafeLight emails a photo of the technician, so she knew who was coming to her house and how soon. Call 1-800-800-2727 or go to SafeLight.com. SafeLight Repair, SafeLight Replace. 
Here is some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. And it's worked beautifully for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. And over the years, members have shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. You're not stuck with a high-cost health plan. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They are super easy to talk to. Call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A shower is responsible the morning. Otherwise, it will be humid today with clouds and breaks of sun. High reaching 80. Warm night with clouds, low 69. Then tomorrow, mainly cloudy with a shower or thunderstorm around. High 77 and a low tomorrow night of 60. Then sun and patchy clouds Tuesday, high 68. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I want to fall from the stars. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. A little bit of Simply Red falling from the stars into the arms of his baba. All right. So we're talking about persecution of Christians and other religious minorities around the world. Uh, We're talking about ongoing conflicts around the world. Uh, We're talking about the uh, Indian uh, uh, law that was passed that uh, gives a quick path to citizenship for persecuted minorities like Christians and uh, Buddhists and Hindus who came from surrounding Muslim countries, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Bangladesh into India, and uh, how it's uh, sparked protest uh, throughout the country amongst the Muslim population and the uh, secular population as, as always there in the middle of it, stirring everything up. <clears throat> so the religion of peace, Islam. Here's a list of ongoing armed conflicts in 2018, 2019, and the the top 10, and you tell me how many of these are Muslim countries. Afghanistan, Mexico. Mexico is the drug war, and uh, I'm not sure that that is really considered an armed conflict, but we'll go ahead and run with it anyway. Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Nigeria, Somalia, Saudi Arabia, Democratic Republic of the Congo and Mali, South Sudan. So these are 10 or 11 of the top countries that are having uh, war conflicts going on. Mexico is not a Muslim country. The rest of these countries, Islam is involved. The Democratic Republic of the Congo may not be. I'm not sure. I don't know the whole story there. We've got Dan from Dunedin on the phone and Richard from Clearwater. So let's go with Dan first. What do you say? Are you there? Dan, are you there, buddy? This is Richard. Oh, yeah, Richard. We went to Richard first. Oh, we went to Richard. <laughs> I think we All went right, to Richard. Richard. Okay. <laughs> let's start with Richard then. Come on. Hey. Hey, buddy. hey Dr. Bill. Good to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, right now I'm going to choose uh, Sudan. You're right. Give that man a mug. 
Thank you, sir. So, yeah, leave your name and uh, address and phone number with Ken. Now, if you don't get the mug by next week, call back and remind us because Ken's getting a little senile and he might forget <laughs> to send that. <laughs> That's very true, Doc. We, we got to talk about that at the office next week. Yeah, don't doubt <laughs> me during the show, bud. I can sympathize with that. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. And now we've got uh, Dan. Are you still there? Dan, you there, Dan? buddy? Dan from Dunedin. This is Richard again. Oh, well, hang up, Richard. <laughs> Dan, Get are you there, the buddy? Line, dude. Do we have Dan anywhere this morning? Dan, yeah, call us back. Cool. I'm here. Ah, there he is. Okay. Oh, there, there he is. We found him. <laughs> Ken's got a Hi, lot Dr. of buttons Bill. he has to push. <laughs> How are you, sir? Can you hear me now? I can hear you Good. now. All right, great. All right, uh, so now I'm a little confused. Did you want me to say one of the ones that you listed off or a separate one? You can say anything you want. Just call it makes me feel good. All right. Well, first of all, uh, I enjoyed listening to your show. and uh, Maybe a little blessing in there because uh, 62 and a half, I, I also have a psoriasis. And uh, no one's ever talked to me about anything else other than topical cream. So uh, I may want to come see you uh, sometime uh, in person and talk to you, maybe as a physician was. So, and I do sure. really enjoy your show and your t- and your topics. And I'm good um, looking too. So, Don't forget that. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, I, I, I could All go right. with uh, one of the obvious ones that, that's on the news here uh, and win your mug. Uh, I think it's pretty easy, some of the ones that you listed. I'm going to try one that you didn't list. And, and I could be wrong, but from what I've heard lately, uh, how about uh, Nigeria? Nigeria, you're right. And Boko Haram, actually, they went in and, and massacred a Christian village a week or two ago and kidnapped more girls and, uh, I mean, the religion of peace. Come on. Give me a break. This isn't peace. This is uh, hatred and anger and venom and uh, slavery and everything that we were taught was wrong with Islam growing up. The uh, prophet of the sword, Muhammad, and uh, it continues to go on. And it appeals to uh, people who like that sort of thing. They like hurting other people. And I don't don't agree with that. You know, Dr. Bill, I'd like to tell you just one more thing. Uh, uh, just uh, about three or four years ago, um, they kidnapped an eight-year-old girl in France and held her hostage. It was all over the news. It touched my heart so much. Uh, I just wanted to maybe give my life for that girl. And I actually called the FBI and said, hey, would you allow me to offer my life up as an American man? Because who they really would want for the girl. And they basically said, there's nothing we can do. So, but yeah, um, it, it does touch me to hear these things on the news. So it, It's a sad situation um, and we have to continue to be strong. We have to push for a reformation within Islam and we have to continue to stand up to the uh, Islamic countries that are uh, uh, harming us or harming uh, Christians or harming Jews or harming Hindus or Buddhists. And we have to say to them, hey, you cannot do that. We're not going to do business with you. We will isolate you. 
And if you continue, we'll come in and we'll fight you. And that's how we got to do it. And I think the president is is making a lot of the right moves. Uh, I know that he's a pacifist and he doesn't want to get us involved in any conflicts, but he certainly has the uh, the uh, the the trade aspect of it and the monetary aspect of it down pat. And thankfully, as I started pushing for in the 1980s and 90s, after the idiot Carter uh, destroyed our 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 policy, our international policy in the Middle East by walking away from the Shah, we have to become energy independent. And now we are. And now we are. And so we can say to the Middle East that we don't need you. You need us. We don't need your oil. And they may say, well, we don't need you. We don't need your technology. We can get it from China or Russia or whoever. Well, they already tried that and they weren't happy. I mean, the the Egyptians tried going with the Russians back in the 70s when Nasser was uh, in his socialist uh, mood and uh, Anwar Sadat told him to get out. He kicked the Russians out. He said, take your godless uh, uh, communism back to Moscow and we'll do it our own way. And so the world has tried the Russian and Chinese way. And guess what? They don't like it. Every country that's come in contact with these uh, these two superpowers that have gone communist have uh, had nothing but conflict with them whether it's the Ukraine or Vietnam or uh, other southeastern nations, uh, the Philippines, it doesn't matter. China and, and Russia are uh, uh, big countries with a lot of power and can act badly if they're so allowed to. So we've got to stand up to this. And this is we have to stand up to Islam. We'll keep doing that and we'll keep uh, working on these countries and saying to them, hey, you've got to behave. You got to reform. You got to allow Christians and Hindus and Buddhists to exist and coexist peacefully and to live in harmony with you and to have a vote. And, you know, in a lot of Muslim worlds, as I've said before, if you're not a Muslim, you don't vote. You don't have a say in the government. And there's this very paternalistic, uh, well, we're going to take care of, of you, of you Hindus and you Christians and you Jews, and we're going to make sure that you're taken care of and treated right. And we'll, we'll be humane to you. Give me a break. You know, if you don't have any power, you're at the uh, whim of whoever is the dominant factor, whoever has the guns, that's who's in charge. And that's why it's so vitally important for us to continue to maintain a strong Second Amendment uh, stance. And I think we're going to do that. So the watch list I, I for persecution. I'm sorry. I agree with you 100% on everything you've been saying, 100%. Thank you, sir. You give your name and address and phone number to Ken, and we'll get you a mug out. And if you don't get it by next week, holler back at us, okay? I will. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So Christians are increasingly being uh, persecuted, and uh, the number one spot, according to the World Watch List, is uh, North Korea, not surprisingly. Uh, and then right after that, Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Sudan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, Eritrea, Libya, Nigeria. Uh, are you starting to get this? Are you starting to figure this out? Who's persecuting Christians? Well, obviously, the, the, the communist dictatorship in North Korea I'm sure they're persecuting everybody who's not 
uh, in their camp. But look at this. Everybody else is a Muslim country. Saudi Arabia, Maldives, Uzbekistan, Kenya, Turkmenistan. Big Muslim populations in all these countries, if not predominantly. And, and remember, in Saudi Arabia, you can't even be a citizen. You can't even emigrate there if you're not a Muslim. And that's true with uh, uh, other countries that are predominantly Muslim. So we've got a big problem going on here, folks, and we've got to stand up to it. We've got Jeff. Uh, oh, he's out of position for a few minutes. Okay, Jeff, you get back to us when you're back in position. And I think that uh, in order to protect the Christian populations, the United States and India and all the other democracies, I don't know what the Europeans are doing about any of this. I'm not sure that they're all that interested. They seem to be more interested in importing, importing more Muslims into their country uh, their their hatred of Jews has overshadowed any rationality when it comes to Islam. They would rather bring in Islam, Islamic uh, refugees, and kick the Jews out or kill them or persecute them. And the Jews were, you know, the backbone of a lot of the economy and the science and the technology and the innovations that Europe has uh, uh, been able to master over the past 1,500 to 2,000 years. This makes no sense. There was a good op-ed in a Spanish newspaper I read years ago about how inane, how senseless it is, uh, and it has been for the Europeans to kill off the Jews and kick them out. Their most productive uh, and uh, uh, intellectually adept and uh, uh, accomplished subgroup and bring in the Muslims who are coming in as laborers and uh, uh, second-class citizens even in their own country and causing problems. And that's not to say that all Muslims are bad or that, that there's a, a, a lack of uh, a brain trust within Islam. That's not true. There's a lot of smart doctors that are Muslims, a lot of people I know that are bright. But uh, come on, this is, this is not a good situation. And so... Forget Europe. They're not going to stand up and, and help us out. But the United States, Australia, India, Great Britain, now that she's out of the European Union, she can start standing up more. Uh, England can help us out. <clears throat> Canada. And I hear a lot of complaints from my Canadian patients about the liberal government in Canada opening the doors to uh, Muslim immigrants from Pakistan, and how this is crazy, it's senseless, and especially when I'm talking to a guy, he was a, a security guard at the, uh, at the uh, Assured Assistance Building that's part of the Royal Bank of Canada, and it's one of the insurance companies that we deal with up there, and he was a Christian in Pakistan, and he got out, he got out, and he said, you can't believe what the Muslims have done to us. They rape our women, they kill us, they blow up our churches, they burn us out. And the, the Canadians, a lot of them are saying, hey, this guy's right. What are we doing bringing in Muslims to our country? Why aren't we bringing in the Christians and the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Sikhs? Well, the Sikhs are coming in. In fact, a Sikh ran for uh, the uh, prime minister's position in Canada, ultra-liberal guy, 
almost a communist, but the Sikhs are good people, and, and they're, they're the guys with the turbans on their head who are mistaken for Muslims, but they're not. They are monotheists who are uh, like a Protestant Reformation in Hinduism, and they have fought the Muslims. They have fought Islam through their five, six hundred year existence, and they were almost completely wiped out by Islam, and they bounce back. And they are in the uh, predominantly in the northwestern state uh, of India, close to Pakistan. So we've got a lot of things going on in the world, and we have a lot of reasons to be concerned and a lot of need to stand up to these uh, uh, threats to democracy, to religious freedom, to Christianity and Hinduism and uh, Buddhism. And you can say, well, look at the terrible things that the Buddhists did in Myanmar to the Rohingya. Come on, come on. You know why the army stepped in there in Myanmar, former Burma? Because the Rohingya were massacring and uh, 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 persecuting the Buddhists. And so it was self-defense, you know, the, the, the government sent the army in to put an end to it. And, uh, you know, if the Muslims don't like that, if they want to be in control, well, then they need to get out and go find a country where they can be in control. But if they want to be in a, a democracy as a subgroup, they got to behave. And that includes Muslims in our own country, Muslims in Congress. When you have a Muslim congresswoman making anti-Semitic statements publicly, then something's not right. Something is not right. And I'm not saying that uh, Judaism is a perfect religion, uh, but uh, I don't see the Jews going around the world getting into fights with everybody else the way the Muslims are. And I don't see uh, uh, Judaism uh, doing any, any terrible things. I mean, they, they've settled Israel, and they really haven't done much other than develop that area, much to the chagrin of uh, the Arab countries around them. Now, my friend Al says, well, you would think that the Palestinians looking into Israel from up, up on the hills would say, look at that. Look how advanced they are. Look what they have. Look at all the nice homes and the cars and look at us living in squalor. And they'd say, we want to be like that. That's not what Islam preaches. Islam says that we want to take that apart. We want to destroy that. And, and this is what Islam is teaching these folks. And that's what they're, they're thinking. And my friend Al can't, he can't grasp that. Of course, when you have an IQ of, like he has of 150, a lot of the, uh, uh, the day-to-day activities uh, escape his ability to comprehend because he's so logical. You know, he, he says, why can't people see this? Well, I mean, most of us are ruled primarily by our emotions and we use our our big forebrain to kind of quell those things down. But uh, for a guy like Al, his forebrain is what makes him move. And his emotions are secondary to that. And and that's probably the way we should evolve as a species. But uh, he's just gotten ahead of us and he can't understand why people can't see it the way he sees it. Well, I'm telling you that there's just a lot of emotion. And when you get a, a strong fundamentalistic religion, and I was raised in a strong fundamentalistic religion, Catholicism, then you're going to have a lot of uh, brainwashing and emotional attachments that are going to be hard to overcome. 
And especially when you have a predominantly Muslim population or Catholic population that says everybody has to be like this or else. And so the worldwide belief of Islam is that if one Islamic brother or sister is attacked, all Muslims have to rally to their rescue. Of course, not if they're attacking each other. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of uh, intra-secular fighting between the Muslims, whether it's between the Sunnis and the Shias or the different tribes in, w within the Arabian Peninsula who are predominantly Sunnis uh, or whoever it is, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of fighting between them. But of course, if India does something to protect Christians from Muslims and it looks like the Muslims are being taken advantage of, then the rest of the world the Muslim world stands up and says, whoa, you're picking on us. You're beating up on us. And just like they did with the Rohingya. And by the way, you know, some of the Muslim countries are suing Myanmar in the world court because of what happened with the Rohingya, the Muslim subpopulation within uh, former Burma. And uh, they are saying that this is genocide. Uh, excuse me. This is self-defense. You know, if you attack me and I come after you to protect me and you say, oh, you can't do that. I mean, you're violating one of the most basic laws of human nature, which is self-preservation. I've said this a million times. Self-preservation is the first law. If you don't get that one right the rest of the day, you know, Ken, it's pretty well shot. You're not going to get too far if you don't survive. This is true. This is rule number one. Well, we're getting near the end of the show, and I want to end on an up note with the new year coming in. And I can't tell you what a great year it's been. I really feel like in spite of all the conflicts around the world and all of the problems that seem to be so uh, uh, in our face and glaring because of our press and the Internet, that really the world is a much better place than it's been in my entire lifetime. There's more peace, there's more stability, there's more security, there's more uh, affluence, uh, people are healthier, uh, whether it's in China or India or the United States, uh, all these countries that were starving in years past and struggling with health care, uh, the kids are as tall as our kids now, South Korea, uh, the, uh, the uh, Chinese population is just remarkably uh, advanced compared to where they were 40 or 50 years ago. Uh, India has come a long way, and this humongous democracy is now self-sustaining. Uh, it's exporting. It's become a major military power. It's becoming a major uh, 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 financial power. It's a huge country with a big economy, and uh, it's going to uh, uh, continue to be a world player. And I, and I think that this is a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, complement to the Western democracies and to the United States for the, the great job that we have been doing in helping these countries develop and in uh, giving them a sense of purpose and meaning and recognition. And I think we have to continue to do with this with China. We've got to stay involved with the Chinese. We don't want to isolate them. We do want to make them understand that they have to behave and they have to respect democracy and religious freedom. However, uh, we also have to realize that this is 1.5 billion people who have been doing this for 2,500 years. They've been un under some kind of imperial rule, and it's going to take a little time. Uh, the same with the Middle East. We're going to win this war. 
we're going to win this and make democracy the, uh, the religion of the world. And the document that protects us is the Constitution. All other documents come under that, and that will protect religious freedom. I give you all my love and my blessing. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I think we're about out of time, aren't we, Ken? We are. About four or five seconds left here. Play oh, that, buddy. Three. Here we go. 